4: This is the nightcap right here on Beeson the Sports Bank Network. You're gonna notice that the guys that you want seeing on your screen, well, that's on me. It's Greg Peterson filling in for Tim Murray and Sean King. Both of these guys are enjoying some great time with the family. And you saw Tim earlier today on Follow the Money. So certainly a hard day's work there. And it's great to be able to be with you guys on what is now. If you're out there on the Eastern time zone, a Merry Christmas. So allow me to be the, the first to wish you guys a very Merry Christmas. Hopefully you're with friends, family, enjoying great food because that's what the holidays are all about. It's not necessarily about material possessions, but it is all about being with those that are most impactful in your lives. And I'm glad to be here tonight doing what I love. So it is absolutely tremendous. And what else is tremendous is that we've got some good action that's going to be coming up on Christmas. So how about if we dive into some college football? We've already looked at some NFL, and in the final segment, I'm going to be re-racking everything that I'm going to be taking a look at in the NFL, along with college basketball, so I have no fear. If you want to miss missing those in the first two hours of the show, you are able to catch those in the final segment. Or if you want to hear a little bit more analysis, vs. Be and best bets. We upload every single hour of every single day of content that we wind up having over there, so we've got you covered in a wide variety of angles, and we've got you covered here with Georgia State and Ball State as it is the tax at Camellia Bowl, and right now you're finding Georgia State between a 5.5 and a a 6-point favorite total on this game. It has settled in at 51, and I'm taking a look at Georgia State here. When it comes to Georgia State, they're playing against a Ball State team that, to put it to you quite honestly, the offense has not necessarily impressed me. This is a team that has scored 31 points or fewer in each out of the last Five games, And this is a Georgia State team that they've been able to rise up a little bit with their defense. They didn't wind up getting off to the world's greatest start to the season, but it certainly was able to step up towards the back half of the season. What is going to be really intriguing as well as if we wind up seeing any last minute opt outs because I was a little bit of a victim of this a few days ago with that North Texas versus Miami of Ohio game. You wound up seeing a lot of the star players, including the main running back of North Texas, winding up opting out and being out of the fold like hours before the game. And that wound up being a little bit of a calamity. So that is something that I think is going to be very difficult to be able to gauge. But with that said, when it comes to Georgia State, this is a team that has a top 10 rush offense. And it looks like, Pretty much all the rushers are going to be out there for Georgia State, and it's a little bit of a balanced attack as well. You did wind up seeing towards the back half of the season, Darian Granger be able to do a solid job for this team whenever he was out there, 16 touchdowns to four interceptions, so certainly was able to get the job done there. Not necessarily a guy that is going to be throwing for a whole bunch of yardage on a game-to-game basis. This is a team that they like to run it a lot, and with Granger, he himself is someone that looks to create with his feet, so I think that that's going to be an element that, this bunch in Ball State is not going to be able to adapt to you very well because when you notice a lot of these quarterback quarterback's, a lot more of them are more pocket passers. So I don't think that they're necessarily going to be able to do a great job with that matchup. And then when you take a look at Georgia State, you've got a pair of very good running backs in Tucker Gregg, along with Jamarius James. Both of these guys wound up having between 800 and 900 yards this year, both nine touchdowns. So both of these guys do a good job sort of fire and ice combination there and when it comes to what you're able to get out of ball state they come from a MAC conference that we've seen them in this bowl season not necessarily look too impressive and they were barely able to get into this bowl game they wound up losing three out of their last five games so they wound up sliding a little bit into this bowl game to put it politely and for ball state whenever the team wound up having a step-up game they didn't necessarily do the great greatest job of it and even in their wins they didn't look too impressive you're able to go all the way back to week one against western illinois fcs school they wanted winning that game by just a about 10 points they wound up having a tough fought game against akron something that we weren't expecting to be saying coming into the year a ball state and akron game having intrigue as you got a ball state punch that in general it's been a team that has been looking to do pits to be able to do a solid job through the air and He's a guy that he does a good job of not turning the ball over. I think that that's the best thing I could say about him. He's had one interception in the last four weeks coming into this game, overall 17 touchdowns to five interceptions. But this is a ball state team that they themselves are going to be looking to do a solid job on the ground. But I mean, they're averaging fewer than four yards per carry, and it's going to be a little bit of an issue with this team. They've actually been able to do an okay job on defense. And the big calling card for this ball state team has been being able to force turnovers. You've got five different guys on this Ball State team with multiple interceptions. They got 15 in general, so I think that that's going to be a very big key for Ball State being able to hang in this game, but I just don't think that Georgia State is going to be making those mistakes. I think that Georgia State is going to do a good job against a Ball State team that they do a much better job of being able to defend the aerial attack rather than being able to do a good job of being able to hold up on the ground, so I think that this is a little bit of a bad matchup for this Ball State team. Once again, you want to be checking for opt-outs. You want to be checking for guys that might wind up being out of the fold as of right now. It seems like you're going to have a relatively clean slate for both of these teams. We're not seeing a whole heck of a lot right now of that, but obviously things are subject to change. But I do think that Georgia State is going to be able to get their style. I think that Georgia State is going to be able to build off of the late season momentum that they were able to get. So I take a look at this spot, and I'm willing to lay the 5.5-6 slash six here with Georgia State. It certainly is a spot as well uh, that... If anything, I'm looking at the over. I like the side a little bit more than the total personally, but we've seen it a lot in these bowl games that a lot of these games have wound up going over the total. I did wind up mentioning the struggles of the Mac as well, and gotta alert you guys on a big giant line move that we've been seeing here. Obviously, this did not wind up happening just on Christmas Eve, but a Western Michigan bunch that wound up opening up right around a six and a half to a seven point underdog in their game against Nevada in the quick lane bowl. They are now finding themselves as a seven-point favorite. So we have seen a complete reversal of favorites to the exact line. Right now, you're finding the total right around 56. And the big reason why we've seen this big line move is that you've got a Nevada coaching staff for one that wound up just completely leaving. I believe that they're going to Fort Collins out there with Colorado State. So that is big. And on top of that, Carson Strong is not going to be playing in this game. It's why I'm going to be stressing the importance of taking a look at opt-outs, taking a look at guys they're injured, what have you, because, I mean, for Carson Strong, this guy was just absolutely tremendous for the team all season long. Final three games of the season, 11 touchdowns to one interception. A guy that was completing 70% of his passes, 36 touchdowns to eight interceptions. So now you've got the understudies of Nevada that are going to be coming in, and really nobody took snaps other than Carson Strong this year. So that really leaves Nevada in a little bit of a horse apiece situation. When it comes to the Savannah team, I got to think that Nate Cox is probably going to be seeing the snaps for this team. A guy that wound up throwing the ball 20 times this year, and he wound up throwing the ball two times the season before actually a six foot nine gentleman that comes in from Louisiana. So, and he's got a lot of height, not necessarily the most mobile guy in the world. So I think that that's going to really hurt the Savannah team. Meanwhile, you do take a look at Western Michigan. And I don't know if I'm necessarily in love with Lane, those seven, because even though Nevada is going to be without their star quarterback in this game. We have seen the Nevada defense play relatively well, so I think that that is something that they're really going to need to rely upon in this game as well. Now, the defense wound up having a little bit of an outlier result in that game against Air Force. The 41-39 loss you want to be keeping note, that was in triple overtime. In games that actually wrapped up in regulation, this has been a defense that has been able to do, by and large, a very good job. So, You've got a lot of those guys that are still going to be out there, obviously. You're still dealing with a lot of opt-outs there as well, but I think it's going to be intriguing for Western Michigan what they're going to be able to do on the ground with Sean Tyler, a guy that was able to give you a 1,000 yards, rush for six yards per carry. He was able to do a great job all season long for the team. And you do have a guy in Caleb Ellaby who wound up only throwing five interceptions for the team this season. He wound up finishing the season strong in their win against Northern Illinois. To wrap up November, he wound up having five touchdowns, zero interceptions, so certainly was able to get the job done there. But when it comes down to this Western Michigan team, they're just not necessarily too great on defense. This is a team that they have gotten three interceptions this year. They do not force turnovers whatsoever. So if you're looking for an ideal spot, for a backup quarterback to come in and have a little bit of success, I do think that this is it. Now, I was taking a look at this before we knew about the opt-outs and everything like that. I certainly thought that there was some value with Western Michigan because keep in mind, when it comes to this bowl game, it is going to be played in their home state. So that winds up giving Western Michigan just a little bit more fire, a little bit more motivation in this game. But, I mean, we talk about motivation when it comes to these bowl games, So these guys that want to be there, some of these guys that don't want to be there. Don't you think that with regards to Nevada and everything that we've seen, it's a case in which you're going to see a lot of these guys being like, oh, these guys want to me. You know what? Now we get a chance to shine. We're going to build the new, I guess you could call it, fort for Nevada. Not necessarily the world's greatest term there, but they're going to be building a new foundation. I think that's a better way of putting it. For Nevada football moving forward, it's been a defense that, time and time again has been able to do a solid job they wind up giving it up a little bit more via the ground rather than the air so i do think that tyler and his ground game is going to be very big for this western michigan team but i could see nevada coming out and pulling off a very good effort in this game it's going to be out there in a dome environment as well so that does wind up helping a little bit as well as this is going to be played out there in lovely detroit michigan but When it comes to Nevada, I think that this is going to be one of the more intriguing bowl games that we're going to be seeing on the slate. And when it comes to gauging these bowl games as well, I just mentioned it. Motivation is very key. So a big reason why I liked Central Florida against Florida a couple days ago is because you wind up having a classic big brother versus little brother scenario. You felt like Central Florida, a team of a bunch of guys that probably got passed over by Florida, Florida State, Miami, they'd be like, you know what? We're going to stick it to them. And guess what? They did wind up sticking it to them. And when it comes to what we're going to be seeing in this bowl game as well, I do think that you're going to be seeing these two teams really being able to come out as well. And I do think that coaching does wind up mattering in a lot of these spots as well. But you've got a Nevada coaching staff, the guys that are remaining, that they are very in tune with the guys. I think that they're going to do everything humanly possible to get these guys jazzed up because we typically do see when it comes a lot to a lot of these interim coaches, when it comes to these bowl games, they really get the guys. They're very excited for the opportunity as well. So I do think that that is something to play a little bit of factor as well. I certainly do agree that Western Michigan should have seen a line move here. I think we went a little bit too far with Nevada now being a 7-point underdog. So I do think that there's a little bit of value there, and there's a lot of value when it comes to the NFL card. We've already taken a look at the games for Saturday, but coming up next, how about if we take a look at what we're going to be getting on Sunday? That's next, right here on the Nightcap on V-SIM, sports Bank Network.
2: This is the nightcap
3: on VSN, the sports betting network.
4: If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCast designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCast for Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now we have added Washington, D.C. into the mix. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get podcasts. And we are back here on the Nightcap with myself, Greg Peterson, and we wound up having a little bit of news that. I've neglected to tell you, and I do apologize about this. We wound up seeing something come down in the world of college basketball that is actually relatively big. Marcus Sasser, the top scorer for Houston, he is done for the year. And for those of you guys with Houston Futures tickets, I recognize that Kelvin Sampson is an absolutely amazing coach. But, boy, Houston is now going to be without Sasser, along with Tremont Mark as well. Arguably two out of their top three scorers in the backcourt. You've got to be adjusting this Houston team moving forward without these guys. Just a very unfortunate and brutal thing for this team. Now, we know that with Houston, this is a team that they've already overcome this in the past. You may recall Caleb Mills, who was the preseason American Player of the Year going into the 2020-21 season. He wound up playing like five games for the team, and then he did not wind up playing again. He actually transferred over to Florida State. They still wound up making the Final Four without him, but... Now you take a look at things and you're gonna be taking a look at Kyler Edwards probably getting a bunch of minutes for the team. Fabian White has been able to get the team ten points, five and a half rebounds per game, but gotta be taking a look at some of these ancillary pieces for this team. And they're gonna need to step up. Tase Moore has been dealing with a little bit of an injury. So certainly Houston is a team that's gonna be falling down the map a little bit more when it comes to college basketball futures. And as long as I'm on the topic, actually, we're going to put a little bit of a bow on taking a look at the NFL for Sunday into next segment, because I do think that now is a very good time to be able to take a look at some college basketball futures, because something that I've been talking about a lot on my podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops, which you're able to find wherever you get your fine podcasts, is who should be number one right now in college basketball, and I do think that that is relatively wide open, and yet we see one betting favorite right now on the board at DraftKings, and pretty much wherever you find futures for College basketball. Gonzaga is currently clocking in a plus 550, and then from there you've got Duke at eight to one, Purdue at plus 850, Kansas, Baylor. They're finding themselves at 12 to one, and then you've got Arizona at 16 to one, along the UCLA, Texas at 22 to one, along with Kentucky. And I gotta say, when it comes to sheer talent and talent alone, I still think that Gonzaga is the number one team in all of college basketball. But I'll tell you how close it is with regards to my power rankings right now: Gonzaga, Duke. Purdue, along with Baylor, all these teams are separated by less than a half a point or a, less than a point and a half. So it is very even there. I've got Arizona more around that number five range, along with Kansas. They're sort of those second banana teams. I've got Kentucky right around seven. I've got them sort of in the same pocket as UCLA at this point. I think that both of these teams are going to be relatively solid moving forward. And if you take a look at Houston, prior to the news of this injury, and it has yet to be adjusted, Houston was 35 to 1. And for Marcus Sasser, in regards to being the player of the year, he was finding himself right around 40 to 50 ish to 1, depending on the day that you were looking at it. So. And this is going to be a very significant loss because at 35 to 1 before, I did feel like Houston had a little bit of value. It's a Houston team that they certainly have been able to show themselves as being the class in the American because, well, Memphis have you know, been a big fat disappointment. And if you're taking a look at features, I don't advise taking Memphis at 45 to 1, boy, oh boy, you are getting no value there whatsoever. I mean, Memphis is right now, I would say they're more likely to miss the NCAA tournament than they are to make the Final Four at this point. I wish I could put it any other way, but if you're taking a flyer at Memphis at 45 to one, you might as well just give it to your local charity. There are many people that would love that money this Christmas. You don't need to give it to a sports book. You don't need to take Memphis at 45 to one, but you just take a look at the odds board when it comes to college basketball futures. And when it comes to a lot of these teams, there's not really anything that I'm in love with. And I talked about this a little bit yesterday when it came to NFL futures with regards to doing what I always like to call a money line rollover where when you wind up getting into the ncaa tournament where you wind up getting into the nfl playoffs what have you you wind up putting one unit on the money line and you just keep rolling it over and rolling it over now in the days of COVID, you need as much protection as humanly possible we just cannot foresee the future you could wind up having a team like a gonzaga they look like they're gonna win the national championship but then sure, timmy he winds up falling off the roller coaster and breaks every bone of his body. I just want to use something other than COVID right now because I am so sick of seeing guys wind up getting ruled out because of it. I mean, it just absolutely stinks that it has been happening, but it sort of is what it is. So we're going to use the good old dodgeball reference there, but you, let's say that, that winds up happening. If you're using a money line rollover, you don't have to wind up taking the money line of Gonzaga once again. You're able to walk away from the table with your winnings. You're able to be like, okay, Now that we've got star player Drew Timmy out of the fold, I want no part of this. And it allows you that protection, which I think is very big. But when it comes to actual futures, take a look at the board. The one thing that I think really stands out to me is that right now you've got LSU and Auburn, both at 40 to 45 to one. I think that the SEC schools provide a lot of value. And when it comes to the SEC schools, obviously you've got Kentucky at 22 to one. And I don't think that that's necessarily a bad number either. I wouldn't, I would probably put it more like 18 to 1 personally. So I mean, you're getting a little bit of value. It's not something where it's like rush, rush, rush at 22 to 1 or anything like that. But I mean Oscar Sheboy, if you saw what he was able to do against Western Kentucky a few days ago, he literally out rebounded Western Kentucky. I can't remember the last time I wound up seeing one player out rebounding an entire team, but he wound up doing so with 27 rebounds. And the guy is absolutely tremendous. And you've got a Kentucky team that all of a sudden they've actually got outside shooting with guys like Kellen Grady and company. So they are going to be able to provide you some good value. But the reason why I'm very bullish on LSU is that all of a sudden, this team has been able to play defense. I was talking about best teams to the under in all of college basketball this season. LSU is one of those teams that want to coming up in LSU with regards to cover teams as well. They have been a top 10 team with regards to being able to make you money just with regards to the percentage of games that they've been able to cover as well. But LSU, number one team in the country with regards to defensive efficiency, Points allowed on a per possession basis. And you've also got Darius States, a guy that I really like. He's able to pump in there right around 17 points, shoots well from three point range. But Tari Eason, along with Efton Reed, these two big men down low have been able to be tremendous. You've got Efton Reed, a little bit more of a Set seven-footer, not a guy that's going to go out there and shoot a bunch of threes. Tari Easton wound up having just a highlight reel dunk. This guy is very much a game-breaker and a guy that is able to be very athletic, do a wide variety of things, guard multiple positions. And this is an LSU team that I'm in on. And when it comes to Auburn, what a lot of people are forgetting with this team is that their top scorer from last year, he has yet to play. That's Alan Flanagan. He wound up averaging 14 points per game. It looks like Auburn is probably going to get him back towards... January towards the front of SEC play, but Jabari Smith has been absolutely amazing for the team. Jabari Smith is going to be a lottery pick. He stands right around 6'9 to 6'10, shoots over 40% from three-point range, 17 points per game. This is an Auburn team that has been able to do a good job of being able to mix and match out there in the backcourt. They brought in a bunch of transfers like Wendell Green, and they have all been able to do a very masterful job with this team. And to put it into perspective, LSU is 45-1, to Auburn is 40-1. to Here are similar teams that are sort of in that bucket. you got Michigan State, Texas Tech, and Arkansas. Arkansas should not be 40 to one right now. I mean, Arkansas, the transfers they're starting to mesh, and the Muscles, Eric Musselman, absolutely a tremendous coach. But I don't necessarily like what I'm seeing there right now. Michigan State is solid, but I just don't know if they have the horses to be able to make a run. And then when you take a look at 45 to one, you got Memphis, who I to mentioning a little bit earlier. You've got Florida State just below that at 50 to one, and this is not a Florida State team that has looked the same. Now Tennessee at 45 to one. It's looking a little bit more intriguing, but we just see it time and time again with teams that are headlined by Rick Barnes as the coach. They just are bunches that typically they wind up having a very good regular season. Then when it comes to the postseason, it's just a big giant turd that they wind up leaving you in your stocking. So, that is not something that I necessarily want a part of. Though I will say, having Josiah Jordan James back, I think is very underrated. A guy that's able to give you right around 6.3 rebounds, three assists, and just an absolute statue suffer. I think that he's going to be big along John Fulkerson. So a very old team that does have Kennedy Chandler along Santiago Viscovi out there. I think that they're going to be able to make you a lot of money during the regular season. I do think that UConn is a little bit intriguing as well when it comes to. Illinois at 30-1. to I think that this is a team that they've got a little bit of potential, but they and Ohio State both being at 30-1. to I think that they should be behind all these SEC schools, and I do think that there's a little bit of a bias when it comes to these Big Ten schools and the fact that I feel like bookmakers have been overrating them quite a bit. I mean, I'm someone that I'm from the great state of Wisconsin. I know all about the Big Ten, and if you're telling me Illinois versus LSU on a neutral court, I'd be taking LSU all day long, Ohio State versus LSU, or Auburn I'd be taking Auburn or LSU in both of those scenarios as well Tennessee being at 45 to one I feel like is a little bit disrespectful so when it comes to the office board right now where I'm really finding value with regards to futures is the SEC it just feels like the SEC is not getting its just due we've seen a lot of these teams come out and have very good wins in the non-conference meanwhile the Big Ten it's been a little bit hit or miss with this, scene, with this conference in general, so I think that that's somewhere that you're able to find a little bit of inefficiency, and I think it's going to be really intriguing to take a look at that moving forward. So we wound up having sort of a on-the-fly college basketball segment there because we did wind up seeing some big news, but what else is always topical? What else is something that we always love to talk about? The NFL. We've got a great slate of games that's going to be coming up this week. In the final segment, I'm going to give you guys what I would like on Saturday. But coming up next, we're going to be taking a look at just some of the games that we got for Sunday. That's X right here on the Nightcap on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: This is the Nightcap on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: If you miss any part of our show or anything on the VEASAN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free Sports Bank podcast. Get to of, of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to vsun.com slash podcast and get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Marcus Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardywood, Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, and apparently something called Coast to Coast Hoops with Craig Hoops, Peterson, and many more. They are all free and available now at vsun.com slash podcast or wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, list goes on and on as we're back here in V Las Vegas, more specifically Circa, the great sportsbook and resort out here for the nightcap with myself, Greg Peterson. Coming up in 30 minutes. Typically, it's the Greg Peterson experience. I'm right here right now. They are not going to be having me do another three hours. Unfortunately, it's a little bit of a thin slate. And if we were having a college basketball Saturday and a normal one, I'd be certainly able to dive in and be able to give you a whole heck of a lot when it comes to that. But unfortunately. Not as many games when it comes to Christmas Eve. So we're going to be giving you guys just a Christmas special in general when it comes to that. So no Greg Peterson experience tonight, but I'll be back with you guys tomorrow. And I'll be helping out Jeff Parles when it comes to the Visa and Center as well. So you have that to be able to look forward to. And we've got a lot to be able to look forward to when it comes to the NFL as well. We're going to be diving into the Saturday games in the final segment where I give you guys what I like, want to pitting on these in the first hour as well. I just wanted to doing the read for the v podcast, and we've got it all locked and loaded over there, but I think they, we've got a very intriguing game that's going to be going down with a pair of teams out there in the AFC that have slim playoff hopes, but they still have some playoff hope. That would be the Broncos and the Raiders, and pretty much across the board, you're finding this a pick-em game. You might wind up seeing one of these teams laying a point, but... In a lot of cases, this game is a pick'em right now. DraftKings Broncos are a minus one favorite, but the juice is minus 105. So certainly a tight one with your total on this game, 40 and a half. I think it's really intriguing from a totals perspective because I mean this is a Raiders team that they just aren't necessarily stout on defense. They've utilized a lot of draft picks on their defense, and it just hasn't necessarily come through for them. Meanwhile, you got a Broncos team that then all sorts of transition because you didn't wind up having Teddy Bridgewater get hurt. So that means that it's gonna be Drew Locke. And when it comes to Drew Locke, I do feel like the fact that he didn't wind up starting towards the beginning of this year was actually good for him because I feel like this is a guy that could be a solid quarterback in the league. I don't think that he's ever going to be like elite, I don't think that he's even gonna to be top 15. But I mean he's a guy that if you're like a team looking for a little bit of stop gap, if you're a team that you're just looking to kick the tires on someone Drew Locke is not the worst guy in the world to be able to trust in. He's someone that, when we've seen him out there, has been a little bit inefficient with regards to being able to take care of the ball, but he certainly has the arm. It seemed like in the mop-up duty that he wound up having against the Bengals, or not necessarily mop-up duty, but the unexpected duty that he wound up having, he looked a little bit more locked in. So I do think that he's going to be able to do a solid job in this game, and he's got a full complement of guys. Jerry Judy, along with Cortland Sutton, both of these guys are going to be able to take a lot of the pressure off of them with Judy was missing for much of the season and did not wind up having a single catch in that Bengals game. I do expect them to be able to hook up quite a bit in this game. And then when you take a look at the ground game, you got to feel like the Broncos are going to be trying to attack this Raiders defense with Melvin Gordon the third. Melvin Gordon the third has been very spectacular this year, being able to give the team right around four and a half yards per carry. He's been able to give the team seven touchdowns. Would have bigger numbers if it weren't for the fact that he has been quite a bit banged up this season. A guy that is very sure-handed, a guy that's able to catch a ball out of the backfield himself. So I think that he's going to be able to help out this Broncos team. And when it comes to the Broncos, what I think is going to be very key for them on defense is that you have been dealing with a little bit of banged-up secondary, but some of these guys have been able to return for the scene because you've got one of the best slot wide receivers in the NFL in Hunter Renfro. He has been able to do a nice job all season long when it comes to the scene, but now back in the fold, you do wind up having... Quite a bit more of some of the guys that are able to contain him for this Broncos team because you've had Kareem Jackson be a little bit banged up now. You want to be checking in on his status, but when it comes to Kareem Jackson, it looks like he probably should be a go in this game. We want to be checking in on that, but I think that Kareem Jackson is going to be able to do a good job of holding things down. Then you just take a look at this Raiders team, and I've got so many question marks when it comes to this defense I mean, just time and time again, it looks like the Raiders are going to be turning the corner and then boom, wind up in November, and December, things wind up flailing for them and they're going to be dealing with quite a few injuries as well. Denzel Perryman is expected to play in this game, but if he doesn't wind up going, boy oh boy, they're going to be up against it with regards to their linebacking core, Nate Hobbs, along with Tremor, both of these guys are going to be out of the full when it comes to the secondary. They've been already dealing with Tyree Gillespie being out, so I mean, that just adds another couple of injuries to that, but... When it comes to the Raiders and their actual offense, you've got most of your pieces out there. Brian Edwards, A. Jones, Hunter Renfro, I wanted to mentioning a little bit earlier. All these guys are going to be good to go. Now, Deshaun Jackson has been dealing with a little bit of an injury. He's going to be out there as well, but Deshaun Jackson does absolutely nothing for me. He wound up having that one big week against the Dallas Cowboys, and that has been it. And even in that game against the Cowboys, he wound to make that boneheaded mistake as well, so... I mean, need does to do anything for it, but I think it's going to be very key for the Raiders is trying to be able to just take a little bit of pressure off of Derek Carr with Josh Jacobs. Jacobs has had a little bit of a tough year. He's been dealing with some injuries. He's only been able to rack up right around 3.7 yards per carry. And you take a look at it recently, the last two weeks, have been a little bit nightmarish for him against the Cleveland Browns and the Kansas City Chiefs, but I do think that he's going to be able to bust out, have a little bit of a bigger game in this one. Josh Jacobs, time and time again, has been a relatively solid player. Now, when it comes to the Raiders, you've been having Derek Waller dealing with an injury. Seems like he is not going to be able to go in this game. He is officially listed as doubtful. If he does wind up going, that's a little bit of an upgrade, but I do think that Derek Carr has enough to be able to keep this team in it. I think that both of these defenses are really going to be having a little bit of a tough time in this one. I recognize that the Broncos defense certainly is a little bit better, which is why I do wind up leaning to the Broncos in this game. I just think that their defensive fortitude is going to be able to carry them, but I could easily see both teams being able to rack up 21 points in this game. I feel like Drew Block is getting a little bit of disrespect, and when it comes to Derek Carr as well, he has been doing a good job of being able to mix and match without, Derek, without Waller out there in the fold for this team. has been getting sacked a little bit too much a little bit of that is on the offensive line a little bit is on him himself but I do think that you're going to have a Raiders team that just can't hold up with regards to the defense although I do think that both of these teams do wind up getting bludgeoned a little bit I think that this is a total at 40 and a half that is just set a little bit too low right now I take a look at the over and with the Broncos I take a look at them as a pick slash a one-point favorite in this one but I do think that it certainly is going to be a very intriguing matchup and then When you're looking at intriguing matchups, you've got Washington football team against the Dallas Cowboys. As we know, Washington football team, they wound up having to trot out their Garrett Gilbert on Tuesday. It's very weird to say that. They wound up having to trot him out there on Tuesday. Seems like more of the pieces should be out there for Washington football team, but when it comes to Washington, you're finding them in a lot of spots right around a 10-point underdog. Now, the good news is you're going to have yourself a Heineke in this game as Taylor Heineke is good to go as your total on this game is also 47. And, when it comes to the total, I actually do take a little, little bit of a look at the under because with the Dallas Cowboys, this defense has been able to step up for the team. They have been dealing with a couple of injuries as well, but I mean, we're talking about Micah Parsons' perhaps being the first rookie since Lawrence Taylor to win both defensive rookie of the year and actual defensive player of the year. He has been that impressive for this Dallas Cowboys team. Now with the Cowboys, the offense has been a little bit of a miss. I just attribute that to the fact that when it comes to the Cowboys, they're finally now having their full complement of wide receivers out there. CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, along with Michael Gallup, all these guys have dealt with injuries at some point this season. And, and the Cowboys, they've been a moneymaker for you. 11-3 against the spread. They certainly have been able to get it done time and time again. I don't know if I can wind up laying 10 in this game. I think we've went a little bit too far, but I did feel like the Washington football team's run that we wound up seeing a few weeks ago that wound up coming to an abrupt halt. That was built on sand a little bit. This is a team that they themselves have been dealing with quite a few injuries when it comes to the defense in general. Having Young out of the full for the rest of the season, that certainly is going to be hurting them. And then when you take a look at Washington football team, on the offensive side of things, Antonio Gibson has been dealing with an injury. J.D. McKissick is currently on injured reserve as well. So that's going to put him up against it. Now, I do like what you're able to get out of Terry McLaurin. I feel like he's one of the more underrated wide receivers out there in the NFL. You wind up having a big 100-plus-yard game a few weeks ago against the Carolina Panthers, but you take a look at some of these other guys like Cam Sims, Adam Humphreys. They just don't necessarily do a good job for you in general, and Ricky Seals-Jones has always been a very intriguing guy. I still remember him while he was at Texas A&M. He was expected to be the next big thing, and well, he hasn't been that for Washington thus far. He's had three catches or fewer in three out of the last four weeks, so he hasn't necessarily been that safety blanket that Washington could really utilize with Washington. You know that they're going to try to be nasty up front. They are going to be dealing with an injury to William Jackson. The 30 is going to be out of the fold, then, and you still got so many of these guys like John Bosick, Landon Collins here still out of the fold for the scene, but even with that Montez what Jonathan Allen I think that they're going to be able to get some okay pressure on Dak Prescott. I think that the Cowboys are going to be able to have enough to be able to win this game, but I think that it's going to be a little bit more of a defensive slog than a lot of people are expecting. I think that this is a good spot to be able to take a look at it under. And if I'm looking anywhere with the spread, I don't have as much on the spread when it does as opposed to the total, but I'd be taking a look at the 10 with Washington just because I think that it's going to be a low-scoring game that they wind up losing by more like a touchdown. I think that a touchdown and a field goal, a little bit too rich here. And in the final segment here on the night's Cap, we're going to be looking at everything that I like for Christmas, the NFL games, everything on the college basketball hardwood as well. So that is up next right here on the Nightcap on Visa, Esports Bank Network.
3: This is the Nightcap on Send the Sports Betting Network.
4: Today's episode of the Ron Flyter Racing Pod features a Christmas conversation among friends, Japanese thoroughbred liaison, eight hundred racing post correspondent. Scott Burden from Paris and turf writer John Sherva of the Los Angeles Times discuss the year in racing and look forward to 2022. You're able to subscribe wherever our every year podcast, iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or visit it at vcin.com slash podcast and download it there. The Ron Flyder Racing Pod is sponsored by First Bet. As it is the final segment of the nightcap with myself, Greg Peterson coming up after me. We've got a little bit of a Christmas special for you guys. so, there's going to be no Greg Peterson experience tonight. Instead, it was the nightcap meets the Greg Peterson experience. And, well, there wasn't much in the cap tonight because, unfortunately, as many of you guys know, Christmas Eve is one of the most dead days of the sports season. It's up there with the day after the All-Star break in the MLB. Although, I will say, Summer League has actually helped out a little bit there. But with that said there's a lot of money to be made when it comes to Christmas Day. Hopefully, I can put a little bit of cash in your stocking as well. Let's start with the NFL. You've got the first game that's going to be coming up there, Cleveland Browns and the Green Bay Packers. Packers, anywhere between a 7 and and 7.5-point favorite and your total on this game. You're getting it right now between a a 46.5 and a 47. I'm going under on this game, and I'm going with Green Bay Packers. With Aaron Rodgers, he has been precise for this team the last few weeks. 13 touchdowns and no interceptions. Now, when it comes to the Packers, they're going to be a little bit short-handed. Marquez Valdez-Scantling has been out of the fold, and what I think has been really intriguing about the Packers is that coming out of the season, you wind up seeing a bunch of unders for this team out of their first 10 games. Eight of them wound up going under the total. They've been playing a lot of overs recently, but they're going to be playing against a Cleveland Browns team that now they've got Baker Mayfield out there, but when it comes to Baker Mayfield, he hasn't necessarily looked right. He just looks injured. I would argue that, The week that he wound up having to miss this past week actually helps him out a little bit, but I think that you're going to see a lot of running the ball in this game. It's going to be relatively frigid out there in the great state of Wisconsin. Nick Chubb has been relatively solid for the Browns all season long, but he's had some tough times the last few weeks as well. When I take a look at this Browns defense as well, they certainly do have their main guys out there with regards to front seven but the secondary they're dealing with a bunch of ailments and then you do have miles Garrett currently dealing with an injury he should be able to play in this game but i do think that that is going to take A little bit of a toll on this team as well i think that green bay is right now looking like the class of the nfc and i think that even though they are still without jair alexander the secondary with guys like kevin king and company going to be able to do a good job of be able to bottle up a brown team that they do have jarvis landry back out there but jarvis landry let's call it what it is he's been a little bit of a disappointment for the team really donovan peoples jones might have been the best wide receiver for the team this season and he wound up getting hurt as well so certainly a little bit of a rough spot there And then when it comes to the other NFL game, you've got the Cardinals and the Colts. Right now, the Cardinals are finding themselves in most spots right around a two-point favorite. Your total on this game, you're finding it anywhere between a 48 and a 49. This was one in which you wound up seeing mostly 49s throughout the start of the day on Saturday. We're seeing this tick down. So if you, like me, like the under, you probably want to be firing in relatively quickly on this game. But I do think that the Colts defense is going to be able to hold up in this game. I just think that the Arizona Cardinals are going to have a little bit more juice in the tank in this game. When it comes to the Arizona Cardinals, I think that their secondary is very underrated with guys like Buda Baker and company. And then when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals, I think that this is a good spot for them after they wound up looking, let's go what it is, really really rough, really, really rough against the Detroit Lions. I think that you're going to see a nice bounce back performance here from... Here from Kyler Murray with Murray. He's been able to do a relatively solid job all season long. Dealt with that injury. I think that he's going to be back in this game. But now with James Conner, he is dealing with a little bit of an ailment. But he is expected to play. He and Chase Edmonds have been absolutely tremendous in the ground game for the team. Edmonds, a little bit more of the home run hitter. averaging right around six yards per carry. He is someone that I think is going to be a good change of pace in this game. And when it comes to the Colts, no doubt having Darius Leonard back. With regards to that linebacking core, has been paramount for the same. He is, in my opinion, one of the most impactful players to his team, not a quarterback in all of the NFL. You take a look at what you're able to get in the secondary, though. You have been dealing with a little bit of injury. Rocky then has been dealing with ailments. You've got, obviously, Jonathan Taylor, who does an absolutely amazing job when it comes to the ground game, but when it comes to the aerial attack, Carson Wentz, he's been solid when you just take a look at the numbers and the numbers alone. Sixth, with regards to QBR, Someone that has been able to average right around 63% of his passes being complete, but it's been very hit or miss. And that win against the New England Patriots, no doubt, it was not necessarily a thing of beauty. Wanda throwing multiple picks in that game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well. So I do think that there is a little bit of question mark to be had against a Arizona Cardinals secondary that I think is quite underrated when it comes to this Arizona Cardinals team as well. I do think that they are going to be able to do a good job of being able to put Kyler Murray on his back a few times, but the secondary is a big key. For this team, because even though you are going to be without New Cop New Copkins once again for this Arizona Cardinals team, you do still have guys like Christian Kirk that are able to do a great job of being able to catch a ball. I like what I've seen. Just out of this entire wide receiver, core. Rondale Moore is someone that's questionable. It looks like he's going to be able to play. That Gertz has been able to take the pressure off of this team as well. And AJ Green has been able to show flashes of yesteryear as well, as he wound up having a big seven reception game against the LA Rams, even though it's been in this two game losing streak. He has still looked relatively solid. So I do think that you're going to see an under in this spot. Animal and I'm willing to the deuce here when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals. When it comes to college football, I take a look at Georgia State and the over in this spot. With Georgia State, it's a team that I think is going to be able to carve up a Ball State team that is actually really good at being able to contain aerial attacks. But at the same time, with Georgia State, this is one of the top rushing teams in all of college football in the top 10 with regards to rush yards per game. And it really is a little bit of a by committee. Spot. Now, you do want to be taking a look at opt outs because that is so big when it comes to these bowl games. I do think that there's going to be a proper amount of motivation here when it comes to Georgia State. And then when it comes to Ball State, this is a team that they wind up entering in losers of three out of their last five, a team that they don't necessarily do the best job when it comes to being able to contain teams on the ground. You've got a Georgia State team that they wind up having a little bit of a rough start. the season but they won three straight games in order to be able to find themselves in a bowl game and when it comes to this ball state team they're not necessarily the world's greatest team at being able to rush the ball either i do think that when it comes to georgia state as well just having that dual threat with quarterback darren granger is going to be able to help this team out as well not necessarily a guy that's thrown for a bunch of yards but a guy that has thrown for 16 touchdowns four interceptions so he's been relatively effective there a guy that racked up over 500 yards on the ground himself. Just a look that Ball State is not used to. So I think that you're going to see another loss here for the Mac in a bowl game. I'm taking a look at the over and I'm looking to lay it when it comes to Georgia State. And then when it comes to college basketball, I was going to be able to give you a side in total when it came to the Hawaii versus Northern Iowa game. Unfortunately, that is a game that has been canceled. So that is a big giant bummer. I am not necessarily too enthused about that, but It is what it is. We're still going to have ourselves a very Merry Christmas because we still got three other games out there on the betting board for this college basketball Christmas Day slash Saturday. And when it comes to Wyoming versus South Florida, I do take a look at South Florida in this spot. This has been a South Florida team that has actually been really good to the under. They have played just one over in their 11 games thus far this season. But I do think that this spot is going to be allowing for a little bit of a higher scoring game. Right now you're finding this total in between 121 and a half and 122. So we've seen it tick up a little bit. I wound up setting my total on this game at a 125 When it comes to South Florida, I also wound up taking eight with them. You're seeing anywhere between seven and eight right now. We've been seeing a little bit of buy-in on South Florida, but when it comes to South Florida, this is a team that they don't shoot it well from three-point range, but they've been able to do a good job of being able to kick up their tempo ever since Russell Chua has been out of the fold, and for Wyoming, Graham E.K., I think, is going to be able to do a good job down low. 19 points, eight and a half rebounds. This is a Wyoming team that, with regards to points on a per-possession basis, they rank in the top 25, and this is going to be a game which these players from South Florida and Wyoming, they're likely going to be waking up right around 5 a.m. on Christmas if you wake me up at 5 a.m. on Christmas I'm going to be looking to score rather than play defense in a basketball game so I'm taking a look at it over and I'm taking a look at the points when it comes to South Florida Northern Iowa versus Hawaii is a skip but With that said, we do have the Liberty versus BYU game. And in this spot, I want to take a 9 with Liberty. You're seeing a split of between 8.5 and and 9. I personally set this line at 8.5, so you want to be shopping accordingly with Liberty. This is always a team that they play relatively slow, but at the same time, they are effective with regards to their offense. One of the more efficient offenses that you're going to find, Darius McGee, is coming off a 41-point game. And the only reason why Liberty is in this game instead of the title game is because Stanford wound up shooting... 12 of 20 from three-point range. This is a Liberty team that has been able to do a good job of being a some turnovers. BYU, they've been a little bit sloppy with the ball. We want up seeing that in the game against Vanderbilt. Now, you do have a guy that shoots darn near 50% from three-point range at Alex Barcel. He's going to be the most gifted player out there on the floor, but I do think that Liberty is going to be able to hang in there with their slow peck line defense. So take a look at the under in the spot, seeing that currently at a half, and I'm going to be taking the points. And when it comes to the final game, Vanderbilt, versus Stanford, I'm willing to lay the two that we're seeing right now with Vanderbilt having back in there, Rodney Chapman has been very key for this defense. They've been able to do a great job there. Scottie Pippen Jr. I think is going to be the best scorer, but you also do have a pair of teams that they rank in the bottom 125 with regards to possessions per game, I expect things to be a little bit slower, especially with Sanford committing 15 and after an orbital game. So, looking at the under and looking to lay the points when it comes to Vanderbilt. And that will do it. A Merry Christmas to all of you guys right here on VSEN, the Sports Bank Network. And coming in next, we've got a little bit of a Christmas special for you. Glad to be able to fill in on the nightcap. And that Christmas special is next right here on the Sports Bank Network, VSEN.